Welcome to the Health Disparities Podcast, produced by Movement is Life. My name is Ramon Jimenez. I am an orthopedic surgeon who has been involved in mentoring and reducing musculoskeletal healthcare disparities for our marginalized Hispanic population for a few years. I also serve on the steering committee of Movement is Life. We hope you're doing well as winter brings us more pandemic concerns across the whole nation. The youngest in our communities are likely to be experiencing the pandemic differently from those of us with more years and more responsibilities. First start, young children tend to accept the circumstances they find themselves in as normal, or else the rest of us perceive what is going on as a great and unwelcome upheaval. And of course, that is not the only so-called normal. There is also the enduring reality of inequality and inequity that is often left unquestioned, often accepted as just the way things are, or it is what it is. I'm sure my guest today in this second in a series of podcasts looking at Hispanic education and healthcare workforce diversity will most certainly say that the way things are is not the way things have to be. And indeed, she would not want our children to think that a career in health sciences is something only other people do. Dr. Sherry Segura is the CEO of the Foundation for Hispanic Education. She has more than 22 years of education experience and is a proud product of the California public school system. She served as a middle school language art, English language development and reading intervention teacher. She spent seven years as an instructional coach, supporting teachers in in growing and developing their professional craft. She was a successful early childhood, elementary and K through eight school administrator in Colorado and California. She's committed to providing all students with the rigorous high quality education coupled with enrichment opportunities to ensure post-secondary success. Her unique experience of teaching, coaching, and overseeing preschool, elementary, middle school, high school, undergraduate, graduate, and doctoral students is pivotal to understanding the entire academic trajectory. Dr. Segura served as an adjunct professor in the Mogridge College of Education at the University of Denver, and is currently an adjunct professor in the School of Education and Psychology at Santa Clara University. She was the Chief Academic Officer at the Foundation for Hispanic Education prior to becoming the Chief Executive Officer of all the schools. Dr. Segura, welcome to the Health Disparities Podcast. We appreciate all the great work you've been doing. And once again, we're looking forward to discussing how all this intersects with the goal of increasing healthcare workforce diversity and why that is so important. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, Dr. Jimenez, you've uh, uh, given us an opportunity to really unpack some of uh, you know, this work and, and you know, how we can better serve and get more of our kiddos to see healthcare as an option. Great. Uh, did I miss anything regarding your background that you might, might like our listeners to know about? 
As far as my professional background, um, I think you covered it. I realize that I'm much older than I feel sometimes when when those things are laid out like that. But, um, you know, I do what I do because, um, you know, I I knew um, very young that I had a passion for education. I loved the classroom. I loved all things learning and academia. Um, And, you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate that I get to serve in this capacity. So thank you. Thank you. Why are more students not pursuing careers in health scientists? What do you see as the obstacles? You know, in talking to students, in listening to students, being in classrooms that I see, um, you know, one of the biggest ones really is exposure. Um, A lot of our students may have some uh, familiarity with the medical field, given, you know, maybe they do a sports physical and they interact with a physician, or perhaps they have a loved one, or they personally have had experience with a doctor in a, you know, medical, you know, emergency, that kind of situation. But I think sometimes um, in our particular demographic, the lack of access to healthcare can often um, really impede, you know, knowing all of the, you know, vast opportunities that healthcare um, and the field of medicine have to offer. So, you know, there's a lot more that are preventative in nature. And I think that oftentimes they just don't know that, that those positions exist or that those fields are um, fields of opportunity. Can you name three or four solutions that uh, to these uh, to circumvent these barriers or obstacles? You know, uh, again, exposure to uh, the medical field is really important. Um, you know, uh, I think well, things like uh, career day, where not just a, a doctor, perhaps, or a nurse, but maybe someone that's in biomedicine or someone who is. Um, you know, in a different area that's not as obvious to those who um, don't have access and don't know, or don't have a lot of people in the medical field in their immediate family. I think that's uh, interesting. It's, you know, something new that we can uh, talk to kids about. I, I really think um, exposure to the medical field as a whole and opportunities is important. I do know that uh, you, in your role as CEO, you're also very community-minded. How important is the support or non-support of parents in in encouraging their or discouraging their uh, young people from their students from uh, pursuing healthcare careers? You know, I, I don't see um, necessarily that um, parents would discourage them from going into the medical. Field. Um, again, I feel like it um, potentially is just um, uh, uh, maybe n- uh, not having access to um, all of what's available in the medical field. I believe that um, education uh, about opportunities is important, not only for the students, but for the families as well, so they can have a better understanding. I mean, there's a perception that you know, you have to be fantastic at math and science. And if if maybe those aren't your strongest areas, that maybe it's not for you. There's a lot of other areas in the medical field that maybe are very well suited for someone whose strengths are, are in the humanities. There's, you know, there's the people part of medicine. 
And, um, you know, also the perception I know from the families, um, oftentimes it's the perception that it's just going to be too expensive and it's not an option because of cost. Um, I hear that from families as well. And so it comes down to the education part, um, understanding that there's, you know, a lot of pathways to get there. There's um, a lot of options. Uh, There's a way to get, um, you know, a position that maybe will help you support the next level of education towards that ultimate job that may have some cost associated, but it's not out of the question. So do you, do you believe that uh, parents think simply that the uh, opportunities that are available is, is my daughter, is my son going to become a doctor or a nurse? And they don't see the steps in between and the other uh, career pathways pathways that could be chosen in order to uh, end up with gainful employment, end up doing things. It's not just, they're just simply, they're oversimplifying the whole view. I, I think it depends on knowing that there's, a, you know, a whole host of opportunity within the field um, and that there are other pathways that maybe you don't want to be a doctor, but maybe there's another area within the medical field that really is more interesting to you. Um, I think it uh, depends on the person, depends on the family. Um, but I do think there's a perception that it's uh, very expensive um, and that it, it, it has to be, you know, this, this, this 10-year, 12-year, however long um, thing. And I, and I think that there are some, like I became, a t- I didn't just jump into CEO, you know, I became a teacher first and then I became, you know, a principal. And then I became, you know, there, there's these different ways to get there. And I think that sometimes that understanding makes it feel more doable. In our field, we uh, have a hard time uh, getting teachers. And in many areas, we have teacher shortages as well. Um, so I think that they, there's more exposure and we don't have as much of a shortage as we have now, um, you know, in healthcare. Um, but I think it, it, it comes down to uh, interest. What, what is students, what are they interested in? What are their strengths in? And then being able to allow them to explore same with education. Uh, it's not just teaching. There's other fields, there's counseling, there's mental health services, there's social work, there's a lot attached to that. And so I think, it again, it comes down to really students having the opportunity to explore what's interesting, um, where they feel strong, where they feel passionate, and then allowing them some opportunities to, you know, shadow or to have people come in and talk to them about what that looks like. Um, but if it, you know, at 14 years old or 15 years old, they, they're not sure and they, they just need exposure to know really what's out there, not just what's in their immediate neighborhood. What we do at our um, organization currently is, you know, really giving students the uh, access for uh, exploring a strength finder. Um, Gallup makes one that we're going to be uh, implementing for the next school year. So making sure that they find out what exactly are your strengths. Um, and I know that in the past, um, myself included, we uh, we took a survey. I think it was um, part of the counseling department. And it kind of said, you should be in this field or that field. 
we don't want to limit in that way. We want to know what kids' strengths are. Where are you strong? And then where are the areas that you can explore that would be, you know, a really great fit for these strengths? Um, also, you know, school counselors, um, they work individually with our students. They come up with individualized plans for them to make sure that academically they're taking courses that are going to count towards their A through G requirements so that they're able to go to the universities that they want at the end of their four years. Typically, we have done what, um, you know, a lot of other high schools um, have used, and, and it more kind of designates um, a career that you might be a good fit for. But this one is more strength-based, and that is why we opted to go this way. So we can really start and work from a student's strength perspective and not you know, uh, some survey tells you that you'd be good, you know, as a pilot. And so all you pursue is being a pilot because you think that's what you're supposed to do. Um, we're looking at what are your strengths and then what are the multitude of opportunities that you can explore while you're with us for four years? That's great. Uh, that's very smart of you and the school to, uh, uh, to choose uh, something like that for our kids. We do have... Um, you know, the opportunity for kids to explore um, orthopedics um, with our Sawbones um, uh, workshop. Uh, that's very interesting, exciting for kids. Um, they're able to see, um, you know, what do bones look like? What does surgery, uh, you know, with bones look like? Um, and practice, and that's really fun. They get to talk to um, physicians that come in uh, and, you know, learn more about that particular field of study. Career day is another way. Um, we try to bring in um, not only physicians, but um, nurses. We've uh, brought in uh, social workers. We've brought uh, in um, mental health providers, um, but really just a multitude of, of folks um, from the medical community. We have a partnership with Kaiser, and they also offer workshops that our students have been able to participate in. Um, we have a lot of students currently that really kind of self-identify. They already know I'm interested in medicine. Uh, we really uh, leverage those kiddos at um, Latino College Preparatory Academy to host a blood drive for the community every year. Um, that's really exciting to get to work with um, the folks uh, from the American Red Cross. Um, in setting it up, uh, talking to the community, inviting the community. Genentech, um, they have field experience. Genentech does a wonderful job of, you know, the biotechnology field um, of study. They give them access to all the different departments within their, uh, uh, their organization. Kids really love that. They're excited to explore new things when they get back. Um, and that's where uh, we have, have really had success in things um, to encourage kids to explore more. In career day and stuff, I'm, I'm sure that the, if an attorney, if you bring an attorney in, you, the attorney may explain about uh, paralegal. Is a career that uh, can give gainful employment and, and satisfaction and uh, is more attainable than going to get your bachelor's and then getting going to law school. I mean, it cuts the time short, cuts the expense short. So uh, uh, hopefully they they do uh, try to, uh, the attorneys or whoever comes in tries to mention that. I know uh, I gave a, a, a talk at a career day and 
I really tried to emphasize to them because as soon as they asked, the question was, how many years does it take you after high school to become an orthopedic surgeon? And I almost hesitated from giving them the number because the number is so daunting. It's 13, 15 years or something like that. And so I try to tell them there's steps. You just think of community college or or four-year college, or and then and then there's medical school. And once you achieve one step, just step by step, it's just so much easier. It's kind of like uh, the beginning of a marathon is the first hundred yards or something like that. So the way that I explain it is basically by, um, you know, what does each each degree get you? Because I think that that's very concrete for kids to understand. You know, with a two-year degree, you can be a paraprofessional, you can be a teacher aide, but that gets you X amount of money. And you can do that while you go to school and get your four-year plus your teaching credential, which is five years, but you get double the money and here's how much it is. And then if you go and you decide to be a principal and you get two, you know, your additional two years in certification, now that's this amount. So we talk about it in terms of um, a longer term plan. I think even if you were to be a paraprofessional, I think that's an absolutely respectable job. But if you have a four year degree, it's much better and um, it yields a much bigger profit. So one doesn't eliminate the, the things to come. It's just part of that trajectory. No, that's great. You know, that also is a selling point or a motivating point for parents uh, to think that, oh, yeah, so they are going to be able to bring money in to contribute to the family pot, if you would. And uh, they are being productive as opposed to just going to school and, and not being productive, if you would. Um, so once a student identifies uh, medical career experience, since we're talking about trying to increase the, or decrease the disparity in the healthcare workforce, so once they identify a medical career preference, what happens next? Our counselors meet one-on-one -on -one always with students. They meet throughout the school year. Um, they develop a plan for them. So they're making sure that they have the coursework necessary, not only to be A through G uh, ready, but also that they have the opportunity to potentially take the correct coursework that can support uh, having what they need when they get there. So if, um, I don't know, advanced placement coursework is appropriate, uh, that's, uh, you know, they'll, they'll register for those courses. Um, in advanced placement, we have advanced placement calculus, we have advanced placement um, science courses. Those are typically some of what we offer. We may be able to offer some uh, uh, elective coursework towards a degree through our dual enrollment program with San Jose City Evergreen Community College. Um, but we sit down and look uh, at their interests specifically and try to get them the coursework that will benefit them in um, getting into the college that they want the most. How about cultivating students who are bilingual and biliterate? The United States itself, or California, is about 52%, 54% Hispanic Latino. And so uh, 
uh, I think that that plays some importance. What do you think? Absolutely. Uh, we uh, are so lucky to have so many bilingual students. And while they're with us, we want to continue to develop their linguistic skills in Spanish. And so um, our advanced placement Spanish courses are very popular. We have a very high percentage of students who pass that and will be able to use that coursework as college credits. We also have uh, uh, students, quite a few students, and it varies you know, year to year, but we have quite a few students who graduate with the seal of biliteracy. That is absolutely something that colleges look for and really um, you know, uh, want in a student. It gives our kiddos a leg up if you will, on some other students who all things, you know, equal, they're fully biliterate. I was born and raised in San Jose and my parents were from Mexico and they stress education and they stress assimilation. So I think, I think, they, I think parents who just do that and stop there are running the risk that their students will lose their language, their first language, if you would. Because uh, I spoke mainly Spanish by the time I went to kindergarten, but uh, after that, uh, obviously it changed. But my parents, I think, were very smart in hammering into me that do not forget Spanish, the language, and do not forget your, your Hispanic culture. Do you find that that occurs uh, with our student population? I do not. Uh, not as much as it happens, I would say, in other places. I mean, part of what makes uh, the Foundation for Hispanic Education um, such a unique place is that we really celebrate um, our culture. We have, you know, the arts that really celebrate our culture. Um, we have, we don't, you know, have uh, ballet, but we have Aztec dancing and folklorico. Um, we have enrichment opportunities after school with mariachi. Um, and so it's a celebration of culture. Um, linguistically, a lot of our students participate in advanced courses so they can continue to keep their Spanish at a very academic level, which is, I think, beautiful. And, you know, our families often seek us out because of that. They do want their uh, children to celebrate their culture. And so I think in our space, it's unique to us that they are able to do so. Wonderful. Um, so let me ask you a question about instructional focus. Uh, <laughs> are, are there specific programs or actions that you take in order to present these students who might be interested in a in a uh, life career in healthcare, more focus or a higher depth of knowledge questioning, et cetera? Sure. Well, I think, you know, the, the best thing we can do to prepare those students um, to go into the medical field or really an, any field of their choosing is to really focus on very rigorous uh, academic you know, curriculum, the instructional process, make sure that they, we, they have access to high level thinking, um, collaboration, those kinds of things. So we really, uh, we've adopted all research-based high quality curriculum for the classrooms, very um, uh, e-friendly 
so that they have uh, continuous uh, practice and they get really good at the technology part, um, which is very critical when you go to college. Um, you know, access to advanced placement courses. Again, those are very, they're nationally normed classes. So you're really competing nationally, not just with an area um, that you live in. And those are uh, very, very rigorous. Um, I see the, the level of work that goes on in there and it's, it's just incredible, that level of rigor that they're exposed to. I think that's really important because we do want kids to be fully prepared when they get to college. Um, we also give them access to college coursework through the community college. Um, they get to participate in college courses with college professors uh, in their four-year time with us, and they get to experience what that feels like, which is great. Um, and, you know, cultivating students that are uh, bilingual, making sure that they continue and that they are fully bilingual and they get that seal of biliteracy. So, you know, that, that uh, you know, as far as people looking to hire or to, to hire them, first of all, and then also um, to go into a program in a university is uh, really, really highly sought after. Um, and, you know, our instructional focus, always really those high levels of thinking, high levels of discourse and conversation and collaboration with peers, um, project-based learning, those kinds of things, giving them the opportunities of all of those things that we experience in college. Thank you, Dr. Segura. And that's a final question. Is there anything that we did not cover that you'd like to mention before we close? Well, I, I would just like to um, really you know, ask the medical field um, and uh, people that are in it, really when there's an opportunity in your community to go um, to a community event, um, a career day, somewhere where schools are located, I think it's really essential for kids to hear from people who are in different fields that they may not ever have heard from before. I think uh, a lot more kids would be uh, you know, uh, really wanting to go into the medical field if they really understood um, all of uh, the different areas that they could they could be in the medical field and be a part of. I think um, that definitely the medical field will will yield more uh, kids going into that. Right. You know, and uh, uh, for healthcare professionals, for doctors. Um, uh, being a role model is so important and sometimes um, they don't uh, want to volunteer the time or what have you for many many reasons but uh, I, your point is very well taken that uh, that should be done at every opportunity so our time is up but i i know we could have discussed this more and i hope we can uh, reconvene uh, in the future Thank you so much. This was great. Wonderful conversation. Thank you. And uh, so thank you, our listeners, for joining us today. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Spotify. So stay safe, stay smart, be well, and it's a goodbye from San Jose. Thank you. Thank you.